Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Hayden Thomas, uh, one of the pastors here at Compass, which if you're a Life Group Leader, you know that. And we're here uh, to exist, to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do here at Compass, including this podcast that equips you as a Life Group Leader, that's to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. And my prayer for you, Life Group Leaders, is that this podcast helps you. And what we would love is anytime that you would have like, you know, a good, helpful worldview question or a good, helpful question, anytime uh, after the sermon, if you'd text it to us, and then we would be able to address that question in this Life Group Leader podcast, it would be able to help you. And so that's my prayer. I hope uh that you guys would take us up on that, that we could be really, really good, helpful resources for you. As you're taking uh, the sermon and the application questions and, and chiefly the Word of God and uh, helping your life group apply it. And so as we jump into this sermon, we're really in the middle of our Kingdom Happiness series. And this text is entitled, Happy are the Peacemakers. And Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And the focus of this sermon is that genuine markers of a child of God is that they would diligently labor, even at great personal cost, to be peacemakers in every sphere of life. And that's really the context of Matthew 5.9, is that they're going to be doers of the word, as James says. They're going to be people who make peace, and, and I don't mean this in a philosophical sense. I don't. The Scripture doesn't mean this in a philosophical sense, or it doesn't mean that we're going to go join the Peace Corps, because that's how peace is going to be made. But no, we're, we're going to make peace uh, from the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And those people who do that, God's truly going to look at down and say, those are the sons of God. And and uh, even as Revelation says that we're eagerly awaiting the revealing, I don't know, maybe it's not Revelation, but it's one of the New Testament epistles that says, you know, eagerly awaiting uh, the revealing of the sons of God. Well, being called sons of God, very, very important, very uh significant in the New Testament. Obviously, Jesus is called the Son of God. All those who follow uh, Christ will be called children of God. Uh, we're eagerly awaiting the, the, the revealing of the sons of God, like what we will be when we are with God and how, uh, as we are glorified bodies, what we will really look like. Uh, and so here in the same way, that's the significance of saying peacemakers are called sons of God. And, and that is us, even as I said in the sermon, that, that we are displaying the genuine characteristic of our Father, who is a God who makes peace. And so I hope that was helpful for you guys. And I, I want to help you guys dive into this a little bit through these three points to, uh, to help your life group uh, wade through this and wrestle with the text and, and the way that we can make peace as, as Christians. So as we see the first point there, it says, recount what it costs Jesus to make peace with you. As a life group leader, you're going to have uh, a greater growing responsibility, especially as you're as your church is growing here, and as more people are coming to Christ, you're also going to see this uh, great influx of uh, baby Christians, because that's what happens when people get saved. They are now baby Christians, and they're going to need help in learning how to make peace. And one of the things that you may deal with, something that I even dealt with early on in my counseling ministry, is uh, you are going to be so tempted to give them uh just your, your best thoughts or your best opinions or, you know, your best DIY 
steps to kind of help them work through a lot of things. And I just want to caution you uh, against that. And the reason that you may feel that way, of course, the reason why I may have felt that way even early on is that you don't want to look like a Bible thumper or, you know, you don't want to seem condescending. And the problem with that is when they leave the conversation with you, what did they receive? Did they receive your best thoughts, your best opinions, or did they receive what was necessary, and that is the Word of God, to be able to lead them towards peacemaking? And that's why this first point is really important for you as a life group leader, is to recount what it cost Jesus to make peace with you. Right? If it was effectual, that means effective, like if it worked, uh, then, then why would we go anywhere else when it comes to learning how to make peace in relationships with other people? We go to the Bible that says what it took Christ to make peace with us. And that's what I uh, hope to have accomplished in this sermon by opening up the things like Philippians chapter 2 and Colossians chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 3 when it comes to the the fruit of peace with God should come out in peacemaking with other people. I'm, I wanted all of that to center around the gospel of Jesus Christ and considering the work of Christ and how we can imitate him in the way that we make peace with others. And then secondly, in that point that says sacrifice for the sake of peacemaking, you know, what I wanted us to do in that uh, is to say, hey, if blessed are the peacemakers, then I recognize that actually sacrificing uh, opposed to uh, me trying to get my own way and to get my own will, as a matter of fact, sacrificing is going to uh, be the the option that leads to peace. So I'm sacrificing for the sake of peacemaking, uh, not because I am just trying to do whatever it takes to get the situation to stop, uh, but it actually means that peacemaking may actually entail, probably actually entails, a, a lot of sacrificing in the sense of I'm going to have to bring up conflict. Uh, my natural inclination is is to not be, bring up conflict, is to be passive or to overlook things that I should never overlook. Well, my sacrifice is, is first going to entail me uh, not doing what my what I want to, what I think I want to do, or what I think may be easiest for me. I'm going to have to sacrifice uh, the fact that I got to bring this up. And even though I don't want to, I'm, it's a sacrifice for me to say, I got to bring up things for the sake of making a gospel peace uh, in, in this situation. Uh, secondly, you're going to sacrifice more than just an emotional uh, the emotional aspects or the psych- your aspects of psychological of saying, well, I got to make myself do this. I got to talk myself into it. But you're actually going to have to be sacrificing uh, time, some some real uh, tangible parts of your life, like the, the, the time that you spend doing it, the amount of effort that you put into it, uh, whether it's uh, money because you're going to take them out to dinner, you're going to buy them some coffee, uh, or the fact that you, you're sacrificing uh, uh what you could be doing on other things. You could be saying, you know, I was going to go do this with my spouse, but instead we're going to sacrifice for the sake of peacemaking. If you're, That is, if you are mediating another uh, situation, maybe another couple that you're sacrificing your time with your spouse to go mediate peace for the other person. But even as my sermon talked about, as, a, as, you know, as I'm trying to apply this to life group leaders specific, you're going to have to teach your members of your life group, that that sacrifice is necessary if peace is going to be made. 
we're going to have to say there's desires that we have that need to be sacrificed at the altar. And if we're not going to sacrifice those at the altar of the gospel, then peace is not going to be made. Peace only happens when sacrifice is made. Uh, and that's a biblical principle. It's a gospel principle. It's also a, it's also a peacemaking principle. And so we got to make sure that we're sacrificing and we look to Christ as the great example of sacrifice for the sake of peacemaking. And then we recognize in our own lives that we too are going to have to sacrifice for the sake of peacemaking. And you, you, if you were at the 11 o'clock, you had Ken Sandy's four G's. I didn't say it at the nine, but I can bring those up here that we need to do the four G's. If we're going to sacrifice for the sake of peacemaking, we got to recognize that if we're going to play that out in our life, it is to one glorify God. G glorify God. There's your first G. That everything we do has to glorify God. And is that going to take sacrifice? Absolutely. We sacrifice so much for the glory of God if we are a Christian who is who is growing. Uh, if, if, if we're a Christian who has genuinely uh, turned from their sin, placed their trust in Christ, that is what a Christian is. And any Christian who has a genuine conversion. It is not just calling ourselves a Christian, but if I'm really a Christian, then the chief end of man, which is, even if you're not a Christian, this is the truth, is to glorify God. And so we have to really think about that. Am I peacemaking? Am I glorifying God? Or am I glorifying myself? Am I glorifying the idol of peace by not, by trying to be a peace uh, faker? Because I want my own peace my own way, and if I don't bring it up, that means I get to cover it up and mitigate it and keep it from from festering up, knowing that it will in the future. But point being, am I saying I'm willing to give up whatever I need to do to glorify God and to, and to keep peace? Get the log out of your own eye is the second G from Matthew 7, 1 through 6. And the concept is, hey, we got we to gotta make peace and we got to sometimes create conflict and judging has to happen, but it has to happen in a particular way. And that is first by getting a log out of your own eye before you get the speck out of the other person's eye. And so the recognition is to say, hey, you got a lot more wrong with you than you want to admit. Uh, and the other person probably doesn't have as much to, to, to deal with as you think they do. And now, and I know that there's always those other people who do. I'm really bringing it up to them because they got really big problems. Well, of course they do. But you also have problems. And if you're not willing to... To, if you're not willing to, to deal with those before you go judging other people, then you're going to be dealt the same measure of judgment. And that's the warning in Matthew 7, 1 through 6, that are you ready to be dealt the same judgment? And you say, well, yeah, of course I am, because that person's a liar and I'm not a liar. Yeah, but are you a thief? Right? Are you an adulterer? Are you a hater, which is a murderer? Like, do, do you covet? It's like, you may you may think you're going to get away with it because that person does things that you don't, but like you're going to have equal judgment uh, as you sin or as you aren't willing to fess up and to come to uh, reconciliation in other areas in your life. You're going to be judged equally. And so just make sure that as you are judging, that you take care of the problems, that you allow God to work in you to uh, get that log out of your eye, as you're also, and you should, help other people get that speck out of their own eye. And obviously, gently engage. There is a way that is that is not appropriate uh, when it comes to peacemaking. It's like, you know, our, our job in peacemaking is to bring things to a peaceful resolution. Uh, and that doesn't happen very often when our idea of engaging is uh, being bombastic and being uh, really in your face about your problems. Uh, there is a respect and a, and a gentleness in which we should engage one another when we are bringing things up. 
Uh, it doesn't mean that we don't bring it up. It doesn't mean that we bring up things that are close to the problem, but not the problem, right? I mean, we can't be passive about it, but we have to be gentle about it and respectful. We have to honor people. We have to esteem them. We have to count them more significant than ourselves. And so it's kind of like the idea that, I mean, if you're going to have to bring up to the you know, if, I don't know whatever, be the king of England, okay, uh, you're going to engage with them differently when they have caused an offense. Uh, that's just because you esteem them. And if you would esteem everybody, you would be much better at gently engaging them because you respect them and you consider them more significant than yourself. And then the last G is go and be reconciled. That's the, that's the goal, right, to be reconciled. And it's the goal that it is not say, well, if I meet it, that'd be great, but if I don't, that's okay. No, no, it's the goal that is always necessary to meet in light of the gospel and in light of relationships that say that they have the gospel. And so if I'm talking about my marriage, I have to reconcile. I can't leave the situation until we do. If it's between church members, we got to reconcile. We don't leave until we do. If it's any relationship in light of the gospel, it has to be reconciled. Now, your relationship with other non-Christians might be different, but as Paul says, in as much as you can live at peace with everyone— and so you can be, you need to go and be reconciled to people who aren't Christians, but there are times where non-Christians are not going to want to reconcile. And that's when you take the principle of saying, well, I'm doing the most that I can. I'm doing everything possible to live at peace. And sometimes peace cannot be made, particularly in light of non-Christian, Christian relationships. So if you have one person who's Christian, one person is not, it's much more difficult to do. So um, that those are your four G's I think would be helpful for you guys to help your life group apply. And then thirdly is we need to be Christ's ambassadors for peacemaking. And and this does this means that we need to be evangelists. We truly do. But we need to be the kind of evangelists that are living the gospel of peace out in our relationships with other people. Like we have this ministry. Second Corinthians five teaches us. We have a we have this mission that he's given us as ministers of reconciliation, as servants of people who are bringing other people into right relationship with God. Uh, through preaching the gospel and calling them and imploring them to respond to Christ, to submit their lives to Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. And that's that's the message that we have in verse 19 that says that it's been entrusted to us. Like, we have been entrusted this message of reconciliation. And if it's been entrusted to us, then it means that it's something that we both need to apply and something that we need to give. And so we have to apply it to our life and give it to other people. That whole idea means that we're ambassadors. Remember in my sermon I said that an ambassador is an accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to another foreign country. And that's exactly the picture of the Christian, that there is a, we are in a foreign country because we are Christians. That means this is not our home, that our citizenship is in heaven, not here in America that instead we are official representatives of the kingdom of God, and we are here to be a diplomat, an official representative, to share the message of the kingdom of heaven to people here, that we could transfer them from the kingdom here to God's kingdom. And so, and, and in all that, God's making his appeal through us. And this is the reason, why, another reason why it's important that our peacemaking doesn't just come from word and doesn't just come from us proclaiming the gospel, but it actually comes from our own lives that we exude and pour out 
peacemaking in our lives because God's making his appeal through us, and we want to be a vessel of righteousness, as Scripture says, that God could use us as instruments of righteousness. And if that appeal is going to be made through us, we, we need to be in our own right living this out. Perfectly? Absolutely not. But in as, in as much as we can, as we're living in step with the Spirit, that we would be vessels of righteousness where God, as he's making his appeal through us, as people hear us, it makes sense because they watch it at play in our lives. Life group leaders, those are the points. Uh, I want to point you now to the application questions that you're going to deal with. There's a lot of them here. I want to encourage you guys to pick three to four. I mean, and go through there before, as you're going over them throughout the week, pick, pick three or four that you're like, I really think that this would be really, really good for our life group. Uh, to answer. And make sure you're pushing application. How are you going to apply this to your life? What does this look like in your life? Uh, give people more than just an opportunity to uh, to comment on the verses. Give them an opportunity to apply that to their life. And maybe a question doesn't give an, a, a write-out application for, uh, for them to say, this is what I'll do in my life. But once they answer it, Ask the follow-up question. Well, how does that how does that impact you? What does that do in your life? And open that up and can, making make your life group a, uh, a really a hamster wheel, if you will. It's an ongoing round and around and around opportunity for people to continue pointing back into their life to say, "How can I live this out in a way that glorifies the Lord?" And so I, I always encourage you. I mean, right now there's, there's seven questions and three sub questions. So that's ten questions. No way you're going to be able to get through all these. And I'm not asking you to. What I want you to do is make sure you pick the ones that you think are be most helpful for your group and then lead them to live that out in their life. A couple of resources I want to encourage you guys to pick up. Peacemaking for Families, which you should have got this book at the Family Matters Conference. I think it was really, really helpful. Uh, I used some of it because I knew people would be reading it, and I used some of it in the application of my sermon. I always point people back to that, and you know this. If they've gone to the Family Matters Conference and you've had them in your group— you can always point them, hey, did you read that book? Hey, did you read chapter 2? Hey, did you read chapter 12? Um, you know, Get yourself familiar with the book, and you can actually lead peacemaking in your group, even using that resource. Obviously, the Bible is center, central, but that's an extra resource that kind of helps them flush it out. And then always our Family Matters conference session on conflict is on YouTube, so you can always send them to that if they weren't there, and that gives them a little place to start after they've listened to this sermon. Uh, all right, Life Group's leaders, our announcements are this. Our next training is May 21st after the 11 o'clock service, so make sure you have that on your calendar. That's just through, uh, two weeks away, and we want you to be there. We're going to be training. We've got some really good face-to-face things we want to get done, and so I look forward to uh, meeting with you on May 21st. We also have child dedications. Our May 14th child dedications, that's Mother's Day, is full. And so now we're moving, pushing everyone to June 18th, Father's Day. That's when Kayla and I are going to dedicate Titus, and we want anybody who hasn't yet signed up to sign up for the June 18th uh, dedication. Move Up Weekend for Compass Kids and Compass Students and uh, even our college age group is uh, Sunday, June 4th, Tuesday, June 6th, and Wednesday, June 7th. And so that's just that week of June 4th is when all of our grades will will move up to their next respective uh, small group or ministry. And so put that on your calendar. We're going to have some announcements. Some other things are going to be changing during those dates. And so we're encouraged what God's doing as he's growing our church. But those are some dates to keep in mind. As always, summer kids camp registrations open for VBS, art, and science. So point your 
life group to those dates and those times to sign up. We have some really good numbers coming in for these signups, so keep encouraging your people to sign up. And finally, we have our Student Revival D now, July 27th through the 30th. And uh, we want all of our students to be a part of that. We don't want money or anything to keep them from that. So make sure as you remind uh, your parents to sign their students up for that, that they know that we don't want anything keeping them from hearing the Word of God and being in community uh, that week. And we want to make sure every student gets signed up for revival. All right, Life Group leaders, thankful for you. I love you dearly. Uh, as, as a pastor, it, it warms my heart every week when I hear from you and, and uh, that I know you not just as leaders but as good friends. So uh, with that being said, I'm praying for you. I look forward to this week of ministry, and I just want to tell you to, to, to keep going. God's doing great work in you. Don't grow weary and doing good for at the right time uh, that we will be re- rewarded. And that reward has been so evident even just in the fruit of this church, but knowing that God... Uh, God rewards his faithful servants, and uh, at the end of the day, we know that everything is not about rewards, but what we do love is the fact that God honors faithful servanthood, and you guys are uh, the epitome of faithful servants. So I just want to give you that encouragement and tell you to keep going. Love you guys. We'll talk to you next week. Mm